How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, well, I'm going to change my message, I guess. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, we're going to try this one more time. Maybe this is why it didn't come through. I wasn't behind the anointed pulpit, you know. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Okay. That sounded a whole lot better. Had me worried there for a moment. Yeah, we could, uh, we could change, uh, change the message uh, real easily. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, this is not uh, part of the message, but uh, again, just trying to uh, listen uh, to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it said, And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying this, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, um, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It really, that, what that does is it's, 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 it's expressing the heart of God towards you. You know, God's desire is, is, is towards you, and His love is for you. And what he's saying is, this is what I want to have happen, and this is why my son is being born, and this was the setting of this here, is that they were praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. God has a, a, a positive outlook on life. I don't know, maybe he just knows the end, I don't know. Maybe he knows the end, that, that you win in the end. And, 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 and that he's going to have the victory in the end. And it doesn't really matter what things look like to us externally or naturally, because Paul, the apostle, said that's not what's really important. He said what's really important, church, is that you see the invisible. In other words, before Adam fell into sin, he saw so much more than after he fell into sin. After he fell into sin, his whole ability to see changed. And we're going to look at that this morning. But his whole ability to see what was real uh, changed on him. And so he began to look in the natural from that point forward, and we see the problems that that created. And, uh, and so we want to just talk about that a little bit this morning. But will you just receive the peace on earth from God today? Come on, we really need it. You, you need it. You may not know it, but if all you're doing is not building your spiritual defense, I guarantee your natural man is beginning to get torn down by the circumstances of life that we have found ourselves in this year. It's impossible not to. You either strengthen yourself in your spirit or you'll find that your soul will begin to get strengthened. Because the, the, the world and, and, and the, 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 the media and the things around us are feeding our natural man. It's not feeding your spiritual man. How, how many understand that? Okay, they're just not. That's not, that's not even their goal. But we can feed our spiritual man and we can be strong in the Lord and we can experience peace on earth and experience the goodwill that he has toward men. And we can do that now. And I think that's an awesome thing. So uh, we, we are in a series called From, uh, From Chaos to Christmas. And last week we talked about uh, uh, that we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. John chapter 17 and verse 16, which is one of the key verses we used, Jesus was saying, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. 
And then in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says his exhortation to us was to be careful how we function when we're in the world to not become of the world. And it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy transition. It just kind of slowly, as we try to uh, work out our responsibilities in life here and in marriage and in work and all in provision and all those things, as we try to work that out, it's very easy to put that first and let the kingdom slip to second. And Jesus said, don't do that. First John 2.15, he says this here. Do not love the world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So it's it's a subtle exchange that begins to happen as I begin to love the world in the wrong fashion. What happens is that I lose my love for God. And I believe that that's when all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's hard to read the Bible Oh, I don't get anything out of the Bible. Oh, I don't understand the Bible. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I read it, and, and, and it just doesn't make sense to me. So why read it? Why should I read it? It's because the, the love of the world potentially, and I say this carefully, but really straightforward, it's the love of the world crowding out your love for God that, that should be there and would be there. And that's God's heart and desire for us. And, and so we talked about that. We're, not, we're in the world, but let's make sure, as Jesus repeatedly said, don't be of this world. This week, I want to go from uh, the, the, the position of uh, how we are to live and function in the world to how, uh, how do we live and function as a person. In other words, what is my identity? How do I have an identity that God has created in me? And we know that probably a pretty familiar term these days is, uh, uh, is identity theft. It's becoming very common. It's just one of those things, and we, we all try to be a little bit more cautious because of that. Uh, where we used to be maybe a little bit looser, we get more cautious of that. Uh, but it costs, really, worldwide, it costs billions of dollars every year. Uh, they say that 1.5 million illegal tax returns will be filed using stolen identity. 1.5 million will be turned in. And there's a constant battle and struggle to stay on top of it because, again, it, it, it'll cost uh, America... $5 billion this year, just simply because of identity theft. Just, it's just, that's, that's how rampant it is, and, and we have to be careful. But there's an even more sinister identity theft, I think, that's taking place, and his name starts with S, Satan. And he's out to steal your identity. He's out to steal from you the very way that God created you, and rob you of a life. And if he can do that, he will do that. And he's, 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 a, he's an identity thief also. And, and, and again, we're, we're like, the, you know, the, the more that he does that to us, the more that he's able to remove God from our life, the harder it is for me to see who I really am with him. Because all of a sudden, I'm losing sight of him. He's getting further and further away. It's kind of like when you start losing eyesight. If you don't do something about it, pretty soon you miss a lot of what's happening. 
I remember one of our kids getting glasses, uh, maybe about 10 years old, I suppose, or something. And, and, and when, when she put them on, all of a sudden it was like, I can see there's things, you know, things are clear. Things are really cool. And I remember wearing glasses, too. I fought it. I remember throwing them away a few times growing up because I didn't want to wear them because there was quite the stigma back then. Now they wear them without any, any prescription. You know, they're, they're so cool. But back when I was younger, it wasn't like that. I remember throwing a couple of pairs away, and then finally I had to start wearing them. But, but you just couldn't see without it. You know, you just were missing a whole lot. And, and, and we have to be very careful that when, as God steals, again, our identity, in other words, who we are, and, and, and we move further away from him, the harder it is for us to get a glimpse of what he's doing and what he's saying. And that brings us to King David's statement, with, which is a fairly familiar psalm, Psalm chapter 8, and I'll have it up here if you don't have your scriptures with you, your word with you. But listen to this here particular psalm, because David, I believe, was wrestling with this same question. Who am I, God? You know, who am, who am I? I've lost track of who I really am. He's lived life, you know. He had his failures. He had his successes. He had all these things, and, and he's had his miracles, and, and, and he's been to the top of the mountain and to the lowest. And listen to what he says in Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 uh, through 6. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So in other words, this is a cry of somebody that's actually lived life. He saw the ups and downs of his own heart. He saw the times that he rejected God. He saw the times that he, he went against God's will and purpose for his life. He saw all those things. And so he's all of a sudden coming to this point and he's saying, well, why are you still mindful of us? Why would you even care about us? And then he goes on, and the son of man, that you would even visit him. For you have made him a little lower than angels, and you've crowned him, or the word crowned there, which I love, is you've surrounded him. He's put a surrounding around you. You've surrounded man. You see, Satan has his tricks, and Satan has his power, but he does not have power over your life outside of deception. And, and, and it's God saying, hey, you, as David said, why, you surrounded him with your glory, or, or, or even the word dignity could be put into there. It's kabod, it's God's glory, his dignity, his beauty. You surrounded him with that. Now listen, listen, church, I want you to catch this. You will never catch this scripture in your natural mind this morning. We just need to pray, actually, because if we could get this it would transform so much about our life. The struggle that I have being a believer, maybe. Or the struggle that I have listening and obeying God, maybe. Maybe the struggle I have hearing Him could begin to change if I could just capture the heart of what's being said right here in my spirit. So let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray, even as Paul said, that the natural man will not understand the things of the spirit. And this morning, you want to communicate something in the spirit. And God, I pray that the eyes of our understanding of our heart would be opened this morning to receive your truth in Jesus' name. And you have crowned and surrounded him with your dignity and your glory. (laughs) He's describing you this morning. You're surrounded with his dignity. 
And, and he goes on, and, 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 and honor, or, or the word that could also slip in there is his majesty. It says, you have made him. Now listen, he's taking them back to the beginning now. You have made him to have dominion. Or the word there could also be rule. Now listen, if you're a believer this morning, he has surrounded you with his glory so that you could have rule this morning. You would have dominion this morning. He's never stopped uh, fulfilling the, 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 the covenant he made with man in the garden where he says, you're going to go take over. You're going to have rule and dominion. It's not going to rule your life. Yet I got to really get this. I really have to understand this. You have made him to have dominion. And again, David's shaking his head. He's thinking, man, they're so feeble. They're so weak. They failed you so many times. They've so uh, just ignored you or forgotten you or, you know, as we sang this morning, you know, had you, did we really come to adore him in a way where our heart is moved when we sing that? Or are we just singing that? Do you hear what I'm saying, church? I'm, I'm wanting to express something because if I'm not being moved on the inside, that means my spirit man is not being awakened. Come on. It was said we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. This majesty dwells inside of us. And yet somehow we've let the value of that slip. And this is David's cry. What have you done, God? Why do you keep persistent? And of all people, he was the one that would have really understood that through the way that God had blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And he, and he totally, uh, you know, did what we might consider the worst thing. You know, he, he killed somebody, he committed adultery, he, did, he lied, he did all these things in one fell swoop. It's like, let's just push the limit. Let's just see if we can push everything here, you know? And, and, and yet God still loved him and still kept him anointed. And God even still said down through the corridors of time, that's the guy after my own heart. And so he's screaming now with a question, why would you still love man like that? And I'm thinking, Lord, let that sink into my heart. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Do you believe that today still? Do you believe God still wants to do something with that and he wants to use you to do something about it? Because that's what he's saying. You've given man all these things. And then he goes on, and you put all things under his feet. And think, come on, God, help me to catch this. Help me to really catch this. But you see, what happens is Satan, and what he does is he tries to change your identity and to push you away from God. He tries to get you to not believe that you are that man. Who is that man? What is that man? He wants you not to believe that so that you'll draw back from fulfilling this amazing great commission that is so filled with the supernatural power of God in me, working through me. I say that all the time. He's in you and working through you. Let him come into you, but then let him work through you. See, if he's stolen your identity, then all of a sudden, who are you? Who am I? What's the big deal whether I ever do anything or worship God again the rest of my life. What is the big deal? 
You see, there's a loss of passion for the purpose of God. I don't see it. I'm not seeing his church like he sees it. I'm not understanding what he's seeing. I'm just seeing in the natural. And when I look in the natural, it always seems so bad. It seems so weak. It seems so frail. Can I just say to you, when Jesus came to the earth to fulfill the purpose of God, he came in the weakest, most frailest state a person can be in, a newborn baby. And so he's not looking. God wasn't looking at that and saying, oh, oh, I better not send a baby. I better send, you know, a warrior, a Goliath or something. No, he sent him in this point, place so that we could see and we could understand that God does surround us with his glory. He does surround us with his presence. And, and, and he has given us the dominion and the rule. But what we do, and, and, and this is what Satan uses to kind of help us change our identity out to not really realize who we are, and, 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 and that would be the sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the temple is what carries God's presence around. Right? If you're the temple of the Holy Spirit this morning, you're carrying the glory and the presence, the breath of God around inside of you. And I think, how, how, do I live my day like that? Or do I, do I just spend my day like everybody else getting caught up in the nine to five and all those things? And, and see, if I've lost my identity, that's what I do. Well, what does, what does Satan do to help us to lose our identity? Well, it's what people say about you. Does anybody, can anybody think in, in, uh, of maybe something that was said to you when you were younger that still sticks with you today in a negative sense? And I have a couple of those. And, 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 and I think, wow, he uses that to do what? To steal my identity, make me feel worthless and useless and invaluable to anybody. But that's not what you are. <laughs> You're God's highest creation. Before he created anything else, he thought about you and he had your life planned out. Before he created anything, come on. He gave you a body on the sixth day, but it says before the foundations of the earth, he thought about you. He dreamed about you. He, he smiled about you. You know, I can remember our first child and how we did the same thing. You just, you don't see it yet, but you're just smiling. You're happy and you're excited and you're anticipating and you're waiting. And, and, and then all of a sudden you get to see what was being grown inside the womb. Come on, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when that baby comes out, we were just talking to Dakota the other day that uh, I think had the latest baby in the church here. And, uh, and, and, and just for him to try to express the, the thoughts, and, and you just can't, you know? But, you know, they thought about that baby way before it came out. That's what God did about you. He created you way back before anything else. You're more important than anything that's created on this earth. And, and, and he's made you higher. So he uses that. The, and what about hurts, you know, that come our way through life, you know? Hurts and pains that maybe have created uh, bitterness and resentfulness and maybe some guilt and maybe some shame. What's, what's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to tear down your identity. And, 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 he, and he knows that bitterness and resentment will keep you away from God. 
It won't keep God away from you, but it'll keep you away from him. What about the media and the culture? You know, why can't we be like them? And wow, they make it all look so fun. And I look at that every day and I think, am I really missing out? I'm just not having the fun that they're having. And, 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 uh, and then what about just thoughts? Your own thoughts. You never do anything right. You're worthless. The sin that you did, you should be ashamed. God can never forgive you. What, what lies? God can forgive you. He's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven you. He's not up there wondering, what, am I going to forgive him next time? And he knows there's going to be a next time. But the worst thing and the worst trick is Satan gets you not only to think these thoughts and to hear these thoughts, but to get you to begin to repeat those thoughts. It'll begin to tear down your life for sure when you repeat the negativity and the lies that he tries to plant in your heart. The soap company manufacturer, soap manufacturer Dove, did an experiment several years ago uh, with uh, featuring some women. And they took some of the FBI's top uh, trained forensic artists, uh, and, and he put the ladies behind a curtain, and he had the ladies describe themselves. And the forensic artist would draw out what he felt they looked like. And they do very well when they're professional like that. And these were the top-rated ones in America. And then they took those same ladies, put them behind the curtain with somebody else, and somebody else described them. And it came out that the descriptions that the ladies that knew themselves the best were worse looking and feeling than the ones that somebody else described. And that's exactly what Satan does to us. He tries to give us this ugly picture of who we are, and he takes anything and any way possible to do it. One man said this here, Stephen Covey, many of you are familiar with him, says, when man created the mirror, he began to lose his soul. He became more concerned with his image than with his self. And boy, that's the truth. And, and, and it's all coming back to bring us to this point to say, okay, what is my identity? Who am I? And where did I get that picture from? Where did it come from? How do you see yourself and how come do you see yourself that way? It's a big question. It's an important question. Especially if you read Psalms 139, verses 13 through 17. Another scripture I think we read, but maybe we just let it go over us. Often because of the way we feel about ourselves, we don't let it sink in. But it says this here, for you created my inmost being. Who created your inmost being? God did, right? I mean, really, he, he took a blob of dirt, molded it into a man, and then what did he do? Blew the breath of life in it. What did he do? He gave that man his image. Come on, now think about this. So that's exactly what he did for each one of us. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I, I, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, my eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. Wow. Say, man, every one of you, I formed you and I shaped you and, and I made you this beautiful person to fulfill a beautiful purpose in life. And this is how I made you. And, 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 and again, we come back to David saying, what, how, later on in life, what happened? Why would you even think about me? And I fear that sometimes too many of us feel that way and we think that way and even in a church setting uh, we've come to the point where religion is a set of beliefs or doctrines rather than rather than a way of life and we, we, we just get taught scripture after scripture and to do after to do and what to do and how to do and when we don't do it right we get judged and condemned and we get beat up and we get all these things what is it trying to do? Beat up on your identity. It's trying to push you away from God. When in fact our identity actually comes originally directly from God. This is so important. This is so important because your identity is what's driving your life, your thoughts, and your actions. Remember Paul wrestled for a while and just said, man, what I don't want to do, I just keep doing, and what I want to do, I seem to not be able to? That was an identity-driven life. And until he steps over into the spirit-filled life, that's Romans 7, chapter 8, 8 he steps into the spirit-filled lives, and he says, God, I, I'm not going to be deceived anymore. Nothing's going to separate me from you. What was he doing? He was trying to get back close to God because if you're away from God, then you have no idea who you are. You have no idea of what your identity is supposed to even play out like. But yet we try to, but yet it just doesn't work. And even as born-again believers, nice people, good people, we try to make this thing work, but we're trying to do it out of, uh, out of my way of doing it. God's saying, no, 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 no. And when we look at the, the scriptures, let's just take a quick peek here this morning and, 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 and to maybe what happened. Adam and Eve starts out, Adam in particular, starts out as a blob of dirt. God uh, uh, forms him and shapes him. And, 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 and then the Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, 2 and verse 7, I think it's up there for us. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man became a living person. Or in other words, he became who he was because of the breath of God inside of him. That's all of a sudden he got his identity. Oh, that's what this blob of dirt's all about. 
Jonathan uh, uh, Helser, a songwriter and singer, kind of paints this picture of that whole scenario. Here's God. He shapes Adam, and, and he forms him out of you know, the dust of the earth. And, 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 and Jonathan says, and, and he says, I could just see God kneeling down and getting close to Adam, close to this pile of dirt, okay, and going, and as he blew into his nostrils, it says he became a living soul, and Adam's eyes opened to do what? To see God. So his first image of who he was was directly at God. And if you can picture that in your mind that, wow, that was the image he saw. He had no mirror. He wasn't by any water. He just saw that. I thought, wow, what a beautiful picture. But yet we drift from that and we come away from that and we, we begin to move into this place where all of a sudden now I'm feeling like I've got to do works for God. Somehow I've got to be good enough for God. And if you've tried that as a believer, which I am sure you have, how many have found out that that doesn't work? (laughs) It just gets harder and harder, doesn't it? The harder you try. I used to think, you know, sometimes God would just put his foot out and trip me when I was on that mode. Because he just didn't want me to fail. He didn't want me to keep going down the wrong road of self and me trying to do this thing. He doesn't want that. Because you can't do it. You won't succeed at doing it. You'll just frustrate yourself and you'll wear yourself out. But where did all this come from? Well, if you look at the garden, you remember there were how many trees in the garden? There were lots. Good, I thought I'd fool you. But there were two in particular. (laughs) And one was the tree of life and what was the other one? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and God gave him the one instruction and said, listen, do not, uh, do not eat of that tree, okay? That one tree right there. Don't eat of that one. You have everything else, but don't do it. But somehow Satan got in there and decided to weasel into their thinking that, wow, if, they ate that, if you eat that tree, you're going to be as smart as God, If you go out and just discover the world, you're going to find all this stuff out that God's been hiding from you. And so what happens? They eat the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Hmm. Are we still eating from that knowledge of good and evil? Is that our new nature? Is that the new nature that we took on? You kind of sound, oh, good. Wouldn't good be good? Well, no, it isn't because you're not good enough to do good enough. But yet man has been on that venture ever since. How how can I do good? How can I do good? How can I do good? But God's saying, no, come back here. I need to blow some more breath of life in you. And I love the fact when you come into the New Testament and Jesus goes to the cross, what's the first thing he does? He says, go wait. And when when you gather together, I'm going to come back. And what am I going to do? I'm going to fill you with what? The breath of my spirit. 
the life and identity of God is going to come back into you like I did in the garden. And you will fulfill. The gates of hell will not prevail against that kind of a church. But yet we function and we operate off of this knowledge of good and evil. And we constantly feed ourselves these things. And, and, and yet God say, no, 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 no. That's not the way you're going to accomplish this. And, and what happens is most people do see Adam and Eve as a behavioral problem. Really, they do. Well, they, they, they disobeyed God. He told them not to eat of that tree. But can I suggest this to you? It wasn't a behavioral problem. It was a disconnect from the source of life. They chose to go for the good and not for the God. I think of the book uh, that was given to me uh, from uh, John Bevere, uh, and he writes about that, good or God, good or God. And see, we went, Adam went to good and left God. And I think for us today, how often do we struggle to do things right and to get it right, but we're actually really missing God in this picture. And some of that, if I can just be so bold with you this morning, some of that is about your worship. (laughs) If you're not ready to worship God, on the first day of the week, something might be broken, or you might just misunderstand something. You might still be trying to do good instead of to having God. And he says, if if you'll just worship me, and, and really it's a point of surrender... If you'll surrender to me all your worship, and the scripture's filled with that, all of your worship, I will fill you. I will pour out my spirit on you. I will uh, engage you, and I will open up the eyes of your understanding, and you'll begin to have the eyes that Adam had before he sinned. We're still trying to see with natural eyes. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I want to open up your spiritual eyes. And, and, and again, if my spiritual eyes aren't open, if my spirit isn't filled, then I have to revert to good works. How many would agree with that? I mean, it's either good or it's God. All you got to do is remove one letter. It's going to be easy for you. Okay, It's either good or God. And he's saying, I want you to come back to me in such an intimate place that I can surround you with my glory, and I can fill you with my spirit, and I can give you understanding, and I can open up your eyes, and you won't care what tomorrow holds. Because as the old saying goes, we know who holds what? Tomorrow. We know that. But if I don't have that assurance, if my identity has been stolen from me, if I've been robbed of that, then I'm going to be on this side Constantly trying to make life work with just a little bit of God. But I'm just telling you this morning, you can just take one O out <laughs> and, and do what he said. If you seek, John six, uh, Matthew 6, 33, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he said, I'm going to add all these other things to you. And I would just encourage you, maybe just go read Matthew chapter 6. And find out what all the things are there that he said he'll take care of. And you won't have to stress. 
You won't have to worry. You won't have to fret. You, 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 you'll be like the birds that don't worry about anything. And, 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 and yet he puts this thing, he says, I want you to seek me first. And it's not as a punishment. It's as, hey, I'm going to restore your identity. I'm going to show you that you are the church. You're, 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 you're my creation. You're my son. And you're my daughter. And I'm going to take away the things that have robbed you of that. I'm going to take away of the pain from hurts. I'm going to take away the pain of words. I'm going to take away the pain of just unexpected events that have happened in your life. I'm going to take away uh, the disappointments. I'm going to take away uh, the, the confusion. I'm going to, I'm going to take away the, the separation from me that you've walked in. But we've got to get there where God can blow back into our nostrils the breath of life, the breath of the Spirit. See, I don't know that the church maybe really realizes the importance and the value of walking with God. I mean, really walking with Him. Where He's become your friend. He's become your confidant. He's become your leader. He's become your Lord. You, 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 you never wake up with guilt and shame anymore. You just wake up with the same... <laughs> understanding of God as Adam had in the very beginning. He's a loving father. He describes you, Peter describes you, and and just listen to this as we wrap up this morning. Peter describes you like this. For you are a chosen people. You're, You're a royal priest, a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you've received God's mercy. (laughs) You hear what he's trying to share with us? See, for them in the New Testament, that would have been just totally revelation after revelation would have been just rolling down their thoughts because they grew up under the priesthood. They knew what all that meant and they knew what that was like. They knew that the priest was able to go into the very presence of God once a year. He was, but he was able to go there. He went there. He was chosen to go there and he went there. And they really understood this. And God wants you to understand that this this morning. He wants me to understand I'm a chosen person. I'm a royal priest. I am God's people. We are the sheep of his pasture. He has to be your shepherd. Let me just close with this this morning. And I'd like you to hear this verse for who it's really written to. 
Um, it's written to the church, and it was at the very end when all of a sudden, you know, time is wrapping up, and John, the last apostle, is about to die on the Isle of Patmos, and God's given him this revelation that's beyond most of our comprehension. But he's getting downloaded with this stuff. And this is one of the things that he says to, 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 to the churches. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So I ask myself a lot, when was the last time I heard God knock on the door of my heart? And for some, maybe you're watching online or even in this room, you've never really had that. So you can't say, yes, I've opened that door and let him come in. And, and it's amazing the miracle that takes place when that happens, the revelation that all of a sudden just comes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, boom, you know, you thought you might have had to do this, that, or the other for salvation, but all of a sudden you just open the door and there he is. And all of a sudden, remember the tapestry picture last week? Now I saw the bottom of the tra- tapestry that made no sense and looked horrible, but all of a sudden I saw the top and it all made sense in a way that I could never explain to anybody other than it changed my life when I got saved and I received Christ. It totally changed my, my, my life and the trajectory of my life. But he wants to knock on your door, even as a believer. And so I wonder if maybe this morning, just for a minute here, that we ask ourselves, when was the last time that you really were moved by the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life? And you can say, yes, I remember that. Because I know it's easy to get caught up as a believer just trying to make things work. You know, we get in the rat race of this world, and now we're just trying to make things work. But I I, I guarantee if you hear what I'm saying, and as Galatians said, if I learn to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, uh, God's going to take care of me. And we're going to need that. We probably put, especially now, nowadays, we put a lot more energy and effort in, in our net worth versus our eternal worth. But God's wanting to change that. He's wanting to touch your life this morning. And again, on those of you online, I hope you're hearing the spirit of the truth here this morning. Uh, I'm in the world, but I'm not of this world. I was born a sinner, but now I'm a saint. Come on, I'm a chosen one. I'm a son of God. I have dignity, and I, I've been surrounded with him and his love and his goodness and, and who he is and, and his image is in me, and I, I, I want to communicate his image out. And I want to use my life to glorify my heavenly Father. Because guess what? That will be eternal. So just maybe with your eyes closed for just a moment, if you just do that for just a moment. Maybe you still wrestle with who you are. 
Again, you know, little statements that pop up into your mind every now and then about maybe something somebody said about you or called you a name or given you a little title when you were young. And that still kind of hits you. still kind of impacts you. And you may have learned how to live with it. You become numb to some things. But I think God wants to, he says, whom the sun sets free is totally free indeed. And maybe there's things in your life that the enemy has been using those to rob you of your true identity as a son of God. And he wants to just remove that today. I believe that with all my heart. I, I even in believing myself, God, revealing to me and opening me up completely. I, I, I want to walk in the freedom of Christ. And I, I want to walk in my relationship with you. And I don't want anything to be in the way of that. And, and if I, again, if I am not really in love with God uh, and stirred about being in love with God, and, and, I, and it's making a difference in my life that I know that I'm in love with God, then there's something that I've been robbed of and that's what he's wanting to deal with today whatever that is for you so let's pray Father what a season for us to come here in your house and even think about the innocence and the beauty of Jesus coming to this earth for us as the, 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 the purest of pure, uh, an infant, a baby, a freshly born baby. How beautiful is that? How clear can this picture be of what you want to have back inside of each one of us? And I'm praying for everyone online and listening to this and everyone in this room, God, that today the little area maybe that has been a a thief and a robber concerning our identity today would be not only exposed and revealed, but it would be cut off in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we receive your word today, and we know that you have, God, the fullness of God for us as your chosen sons and daughters. And God, today in this great day of amazing turmoil, we need... (laughs) our identity like never before because you've called us to rule and you called us to reign you called us God to be the head and not the tail and we refuse to draw back father from that identity that you've given to us and we step forward today in a fresh way uh, for the kingdom of God for the purposes of God and for the love of God in our lives So God, open up the eyes of our understanding today. And maybe for those that are watching or here in this room that have not really opened the door for the first time for whatever struggle, for whatever reasoning has been in the mind and in the way of that, that today, Father, that would be removed in Jesus' name. You said we come to take authority, and we take authority over the lies of the enemy right now, and we say release hearts today in Jesus' name to receive the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings in their life and in their heart, and to become their Savior and their leader. If you're here this morning or online this morning and you have never done that, it really is. It's simply open the door if he's knocking. He'll come in. (laughs) He says, just uh, repent of your sin (laughs) 
and your distance from him and rejection of him and ask him to come in and he will. God, I thank you for that. You're doing that today and and we love you and we bless you and we thank you for, God, what you've done in our life and for what this season represents and we just step forward today, Father, in Jesus' name and receive your word and your truth and all of God's people said, Amen. Do you receive that this morning? Now, God's here to touch his people. Remember, we want to end this year uh, so that we can start the next one better, right? We got to end it well. Stand to your feet if you would. I really never know how to close because I never like to close. But you know something? God is so good and so awesome. Uh, There's probably some chocolate and cider out there, I think, still. Please enjoy some of that. And uh, Actually, let me just pray for you real quick because I've been believing for this divine protection over this ridiculous COVID-19 thing that's jumping all over. Come on. He said no deadly thing will harm you. Can you believe that with me today? I've been praying more and more, God, I just want divine health. Maybe I don't see what's going on inside of my body, so give me health. I'm taking it all. I'm taking it all because I am under the blood of Jesus Christ that not only cleanses me from my sin, but it heals all my sicknesses and all my my diseases. And so if you just want to agree with me, Father, I thank you today for divine health. Thank you that that we can walk in it because we walk in you. And Lord, I pray that you would cover over your people. Lord, you would bless your people with that divine health. And we will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Uh, Just have an awesome week. This is going to be a good one.